1: so to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
0: Welcome to The Big Payoff. This is Rachel Bello, And I'm Suzanne Muchin. This is a new conversation about business.
2: We tackle all the personal stuff that really matters to you at work. I'm
0: ready. Are you ready? ready? Let's do this. Let's do it. Let's go. Today's show is about the tension between staying true to what you want to do in the world. And then also listening to the other voices that are in your head and that are out there. (laughs) It makes you sound like a schizophrenic. What do you mean? Well, these are other voices. These are your stakeholders, the people Uh, who are in your lives, who have opinions about what you do, about your business and the choices you're making. So your investors, your spouse, sometimes even your kids. My kids weigh in all the time. And all of us have these stakeholders in our lives, people who influence our decisions. And the key that we're going to tell you about on this show to your success is managing the tension between what you actually want and what they need. That's the secret to being successful and happy.
2: The uh, cliche, at least the cliche of the last 10 years has become follow your passion, right? But here's the deal. If you just follow the idea that's in your head, the pristine originating idea that you started with that passion to the exclusion of investor ideas and other stakeholders that are going to help you get it off the get your idea off the ground then your ideas never leave your head they never actually make it and you might as well be lying in your own bed dreaming or be one of those ineffectual nonprofits with an emphasis on non in front of profit and then If you do the opposite, if you just listen to your investors and follow them because they promise you where the money is – and, Suzanne, we've made both of these mistakes – if you overinvest in what they're telling you and abandon the ideas that you have, then you don't have the motivation to get up in the morning. Then you find yourself going, what the hell am I doing this for? And when the going gets rough – which it always does, you find yourself
0: completely rudderless. And we have the poster child for this dilemma, not for being rudderless, no, but for this dilemma. We have Emma Tesler, who's going to join us on the show later, and you might... Recognize this name if you're a podcast listener, which, if you're listening to us now, makes you a podcast exactly. listener, right? She's the co founder of The Dating Ring, which is a dating site that set out to do things a bit differently. We're going to talk more about that later. But if you've listened to the podcast startup, if you're one of the hundreds of thousands of people who have listened to the show this season, you You'll hear Emma Tesla on it because she's been the focus of Startup's second season. So this is what we need you to focus on today is how you manage this tension between what you want to do and what the market wants. You know, while you
2: were talking, I was thinking this week about Obama's major victories How long has he waited for the victories on health care in the Supreme Court, on gay marriage, on the Trade Act? I mean, it was one of those weeks that we all dream of. But what was really interesting to me, Suzanne, there was a photographer in the Oval Office at the moment when the press secretary came into the room and gave Obama the news that it was the health care ruling. Yeah. got ruled by the Supreme Court. So the press secretary comes in and says, and the the woman in the room, the photographer, took three priceless shots, which in fact we will post along with this show. The first shot is the shot of Obama looking toward the door. You know, he was expecting this ruling, so he was kind of waiting, looking toward the door while the guy comes in. Then there's his face. As he's hearing the news and what's interesting about it is it is completely expressionless and slack like he can't quite take it in. And then the third photograph, he's got his arm raised in the air in a fist and his head down, and it isn't like one of these ecstatic, joyful moments. It's more like a personal vindication of everything he's valued and fought for. His
0: mission, what he was here to do, boom! Oh, I mean, I love it. Love it. I mean, talk about a man who's had... A mission and a purpose and a set of beliefs that he came into this position to implement and think about the people who have been telling him every single day not to do those things for this reason, for that reason. I mean, no one must feel that tension more than the President of the United States. It's just amazing. And because I feel it's okay to compare us to the President of the well, United States. Well, everybody else is doing it, so why don't we? Our company, ROI Ventures, Return and Inspiration Ventures, Rachel, we had a similar feeling of being beaten down and beaten down by everyone around us telling us to... Take on clients that were off mission for us, but might give us a lot of money or to go out and raise money from third party investors, even though we knew that that would mean giving up control. It was like a daily battle to hold on to those things that we found important and meaningful and precious. And like my fists are clenched right now when I'm talking because it felt like doing battle every day. If we were going to live the kinds of lives that we were
2: living, which was, you know, an around the clock exhausting existence. I sure as hell wasn't going to do it for clients and purposes that I just, di- I didn't start out doing it for. But there did come a time, and I-, I remember the day, Suzanne, when Tim, our CFO, we had, you know, weekly meetings with him. Yeah,
0: I see my intake of breath when yep. you even say his name. It's like I oh. know. And we oh, were God. sitting in that room
2: and he was drawing on the board. And we had just gotten that $29 million investment. But it was we we were at the point where we saw um, twenty months away exactly when that investment would fall off, and we were going to have to make up twenty nine million dollars of revenue right then. Okay, so then we started having the conversation in the room about like, well, we need to start now. Finding that $29 million in client replacement revenue. In, replacement yeah. in client revenue. And you and I looked at each other from opposite ends of the table, and there were like 12 people in the room. And I knew that you were thinking what I was thinking, which is, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm not. We have done a very serviceable company. We had very good revenue. It was a, quote, lifestyle company. And we weren't going to go 10x. on. We just weren't going to do it. And we wanted to
0: sell. So we sold the company. And we did, except for we sold the company because we chose the 10X. I mean, you say we didn't choose the 10X. I would say that when we made the decision to sell the company, we gave up being a lifestyle company in favor of going after a much bigger market. But the first thing that happened to us when we did... Is we started servicing clients that we didn't care about. NASCAR, Suzanne, remember the very first client trip? I I, and hated I went, it wait, so wait, wait, <laughs> wait, so I'm confused.
2: We, Suzanne and I are social purpose strategists. That's what we've done for the last 20 years. And he goes, the new CEO who had bought us, well, NASCAR
0: has a social purpose. And I went, <laughs> oh, Houston, we have, have a problem. problem. <laughs> you know, this is what happens when you're. In a business, and it doesn't need to be that the thing you're holding on to is a mission that's social purpose no, or do good feeding babies in Africa. No, it's about your mission. What are you great at doing? And what we knew is that we were great at coming up with big ideas that would help people pay more attention to ideas that mattered. We weren't about creating campaigns to sell more shoes or more prepaid cell phones, which was another assignment or, that or do gave us. banner ad
2: strategies when he said to me, but you're smart. You can learn how to do that. I was like, but I don't
0: want to learn how to do right. that because I'm not 19. So this is the advice I would give to our to us. If we were our own advisors at that moment, I would say, look, everybody's got to make tough choices. But the thing that you should never, ever give up is the thing that makes you want to get out of bed in the morning and come to work. Yeah. So you have to know what that is. So what is your passion the thing that you know when you're doing it is 100% yours to do. And if that thing starts to get watered down because of all the pressures of these other stakeholders telling you every single day to make different choices, that's when you have to look at yourself in the mirror. And you know what the other big mistake is? When people
2: tell you that you can earn your way to your mission, it's Always alive. What, what lie. do you mean by that? What I mean is, they say, you know, just actually sell shoes for for the for the next three years. I promise you that at the end of that road, you will have earned enough to really then have the luxury of having a mission. It never. Ever works that way. Never. And on the and we're not saying that just be pure at all costs. We're saying you do have to pay attention to markets and selling, or you have to be a subsidized nonprofit. So exactly. that's your choice.
0: And you wind up at the end of the day with yourself. Okay? Now we had to take care of our employees, and part of our decision to sell the company also had to do with the fact that we wanted to be good to our people. But we gave up along the way the things that were most meaningful to us. And I'm really interested in talking to Emma Tesler of Dating Ring when she comes back because just listening to the podcast, I know that there were these really tough moments of decision for them. And what I want to get on the inside so that you see it for yourself What kinds of questions you should be asking yourself in that moment and how you can ensure that you don't do what we did, that you don't make choices in favor of, look, we ended up with a lose-lose, Rachel. We ended up with a business we didn't want to be a part yeah. of and lives that we hated. Yep. That's so depressing. So we are object lessons for you, which is why we <laughs> have this podcast, it. because we've done everything wrong. I'm really looking forward to talking to Emma Tesla when we come back. Emma is one of the founders of The Dating Ring, which is a fantastic dating website and business, which she'll tell us more about. But she's also the subject, along with Lauren, her co-founder, of the second season of of the podcast Startup. Emma will tell us much more about I mean, we could do a whole podcast on that podcast. Oh,
2: God. And this second season is just so deliciously good. And Emma's living it real
0: time, so you're going to hear about all these issues real time. We'll be back to The Big Payoff with Rachel and Suzanne after this short break. And bad mistakes
1: I've made a few I've had my show
0: Welcome back to The Big Payoff. I'm Suzanne Mushin, and I'm here with Rachel Bellow, who's my longtime business partner. And we're talking today about managing the tension between the thing that you know you want to do with your life and with your business And what everyone else in your life has to say about that. And sometimes that's really hard to do.
2: And sometimes those people are your investors, and they are going to decide whether you live or die. So if your precious little idea doesn't match what they think is the 10x growth path – then you've got to make some decisions. I feel like Rachel needs to work out some anger issues with, <laughs>
0: with her investors. She's one of
2: all investors, but particularly mine.
0: And so in the studio today, we have Emma Tesler. And Emma, it, what's so strange to me, we introduced you at the top of the show by saying that you are one of the co-founders of The Dating Ring and also a, a a podcast star.
1: Star is very generous of you. Thank you. Well,
0: you're the subject, along with Lauren, your co-founder of this second season of the podcast called Startup. And and I got introduced to you without knowing
2: anything about you simply from that podcast, by the way. It's like, you know, you're like Sophia Loren
0: to me or something. Wow.
1: Wow. Thank you.
0: And the strange thing is that I just listened to the last episode yesterday. So I feel like I've had you in my head and then boom, here you are in the studio. Right. It's like
1: we just talked.
0: It's like we just talked. (laughs) You were listening and she was talking.
1: Right. Just me talking. That's how most of my friendships are. It's just me talking and them listening.
0: (laughs) That's Rachel and me. Yeah. I mean, the story of my life. But which one is which? She Uh, talks and uh doesn't stop. (laughs) We have so many questions for you. So let's just launch and say the fast track of where you've been so that we don't have to relive the whole right. thing, right? So Dating Ring starts out wanting to be a non-dating dating site. Well, hold on. Let's just actually move the dial all the way back yeah. and say
2: that – Emma is working as a sex ed counselor, in effect. At the Har- it wasn't at Harlem Children's Home? It was. Right. And so, which is an awesome organization at Harlem. And she was advising adolescents on sexuality, which inevitably involved a lot of relationship trauma, but it was totally exhausting and depleting, even though it was very, very rewarding. And meanwhile, Lauren Kay, whom she didn't know, was... Um, had this idea for a matchmaking app that was going to involve human intervention along with an algorithm to scale it. And she had had an, just an idea of it. And just by chance, by six degrees of separation in New York, they met and sort of fell in love, not literally. And, literally. Uh, totally
1: literally. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> Did you guys have sex? I don't think so.
1: Not on the first date.
2: Okay. And <laughs> and they launched this company. And within a year, they were one of the startups admitted to a very, very difficult to get into yeah. a prestigious um, incubator. incubator called Y Combinator, YC for short, uh, on the West Coast. And they got their asses kicked out there. And actually, it was like a boot camp. And so now she
0: got the dating site started. And then the drama began. We're going to start in the middle rather than going all the way back to the beginning. So we want to go to that moment, which actually, if anybody just listened to the podcast, we all just lived through with you, which is the moment when you're facing the dilemma of questioning whether or not you're going to continue to fundraise and whether or not you're going to continue to go after that ambition that your investors were really pushing you towards of the 10x return or if you were going to kind of rally the troops and refocus on the core work of Dating Ring and become what you called a lifestyle company. So can you just talk to us about that moment?
1: It, it wasn't so much a moment as like the last moment of many, many sure. stressful moments, um, and Scale out a lot of what made us unique, right? We have in-person matchmaker meetings and real humans doing the matchmaking, which every investor and anyone who knows anything about startups has said, "Well, that's not scalable, right?" Which is what my very first when I was listening to, I'm like, I... anybody would say yes, that, right? What was your
2: answer to that? In...
1: I mean, you know, we we had all these sort of long answers about how the margins worked out and and we were still able to make a profit, but but of course, ultimately, it's not so scalable in the way that you know.
2: When they say scale.
1: Right, exactly. In the way that things that are really scalable are scalable. Um, and, and we went through a period where we eliminated matchmaker meetings and where we had these dreams of sort of automating everything the matchmakers did. You know, when, when Lauren and I first started, that, that's what we talked about. We talked about getting someone to kind of code out my brain and everything I was intuiting. And Wow, wow. <laughs> I can see
0: why that would have been for you a hugely attractive opportunity. Or, or scary,
1: which... I mean, both. It was both. I couldn't fathom it, really. I'm, I'm not a startup person. I wasn't in the tech world. That seemed like some robot horror movie to me yeah. a little bit. Yeah. But, you know, in a cool way, like a cool horror movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, So, you know, that had been kind of the dream. And ultimately, the closer we got to that automation, the more we realized oh, we're pretty similar to the other dating sites out there. So we're less special and we're not as good as the other dating sites because they have more money and more people. So we are less ourselves, which isn't good. And we're not even as good as our competitors, which is bad. And so we we found ourselves in this like really crappy middle ground where, where we abandoned a lot of why we got into this, and but we hadn't abandoned it far enough to be hugely successful. Right. You weren't you
0: weren't yet lucrative prostitutes. You were right. just corner horse. Yes, right. exactly.
1: Yeah. Exactly. And that's just a tear. Nobody wants to be that. Nobody wants Nobody. to be that.
0: So then you make this decision. Okay. I mean, at least according to the podcast, there actually is a moment where you decide not to fundraise.
1: Yes. Where, where we decided, okay, we are sort of at the end of our rope, we no longer can convince ourselves that we are this thing that we're not. And if we don't buy it, probably the people we're asking for money won't buy it. So
2: when you got, it was actually, I don't know whether this was told this way just for dramatic purposes, but the way it was told on startup was that you got an email from Lauren Yes. that basically said, I I believe in the team and I believe in the mission. I no longer believe in the company.
1: And and also we're out of money. And <laughs> we're out of yeah.
2: And we yeah. are totally out yes. of money. When you got that email, what time of do you remember when you opened that email? What time of day it was?
1: She had sent it late at night, so I got it first thing in the morning. And when you
2: like read eight. it, were you relieved or were you devastated?
1: I was neither. I I went into like pragmatic survival mode. Um I certainly wasn't devastated, but it's never thrilling to read an email about how you have no money and all your dreams are dashed. <laughs> so, you know, I, I sort of thought, OK, well, we have to work with what we have, uh, which is no money. Um, and And I went into the office and we talked and we said, OK, what can we what can we do with what we have? We are miles and miles away from being this billion dollar company that we set out to be. And if we continue to try to be that, we will crash and burn. We're not quite as far from being a successful lifestyle company. Why don't we try for that? I,
2: I have to just go on record to say I completely object to the term lifestyle company. <laughs> I just hate it. freaking hate it. And there's something condescendingly female about it. It's like Well it misogy- sounds like a
0: male
1: term yeah. imposed on Here's females. the thing
2: it's yeah. a company which allows you to have the life you want to live. Hmm, right. that's a bad thing?
1: Yes, it has such negative connotations, which is crazy. Because that's crazy. Seems great because to me. you can
2: actually make a buttload of money, and so can your team and you could even sell it yep. and make even more. Yep. But what you can't do in that iteration is be Uber, which is to me like everybody's waking nightmare. You have to almost be non human to want to run that kind of company. Like, I don't actually need to make a billion dollars. I'm really fine making a couple million.
0: So does that, is that how it felt to you? Did it feel like a big step? Backwards, or was it more, it sounds to me like you're saying it just got very practical all of a sudden.
1: I mean, that was it was definitely the practical decision, and and we didn't feel any regret about it, um, in the sense that like, I mean, we didn't regret the decision, but but there is something a little bit sad, a sure. little bit melancholy yeah. about giving up on this dream. And that club. Yeah, and that club, and and then and and being a YC alum and saying, well, we're actually gonna go life. Oh my God! yeah you know? well, were there others that you knew from YC in past groups, cohorts who had? So you don't really hear about the company. <laughs> exactly, I'm, I'm sure that yeah. there are, but we don't know about them. Right. You know, it's not. I it feel is like, it's like, like we a dirty should word. rebrand
2: lifestyle company, Suzanne, as a because po- I think it's a great thing, and I think you can really do great things with that kind of company that gives you a life you don't need to take a vacation from.
1: Yes, yes, because totally rebranded. Every...
0: Yeah. Are you happier now?
1: Um, I mean, yes, yes, yes. I'm happier now. But I don't at all feel like I'm at the end of anything. I don't feel like I'm in a position to look back and say, oh, I'm happier now. Yeah. I still feel like we're really in, in it. Yeah, really in it. And by the way,
2: none of this precludes your discovering in the course of pursuing this kind of company, which has... A, a little slower metabolism, a little more patient capital kind of surrounding it, f- locating some source of IP that could become a sellable proposition. Like maybe there's something here that you guys will stumble on that's more than just the service.
1: Right, of course. And I mean, you know, we have we, – we would love – we'd be very happy if we figured out how to make this a great small business in New York, San Francisco, L.A., and Boston. That doesn't and then, sound like
0: a small business. And then mean.
1: figure out how to replicate it in every major city – across and the country. Don't
0: you also feel great just being an employer? When you walked in the door, you said we're hiring. You said you had hired 20 matchmakers recently since the startup podcast. Isn't that also a great feeling just to be able to offer yes. people good work? Yes, it's a great feeling. Yeah. You know, also, this is the thing. So
2: in big, you know, match and OKCupid and the big big dating sites, you put where you want to meet men. But actually, if you locate your dating site in city-specific things as pods of cities and just go, this is the New York dating ring, and then populate that ring with lots of different things, human, offline, online, I mean, that's a very different kind of dating site. Are you thinking about going back to group dating?
1: We are not thinking about going mm. back to group dating because it is a really great idea in theory and just it really is not good in practice. Um, And Too I wish it was. Arrange. We turned into a scheduling service scheduling <sighs> six yes. individual people and, and you're also not able to make the best matches you can make because you're not able to match just for one person. You have to match with the group in mind. Yeah, and, it's harder. It's yeah. Hard. Yeah. But we have in person, I mean we have speed dating events. We have events where we take people's photos. We have all all company parties. So you know, we're we're trying to do the Well, we I, I'm telling
2: you, I feel more hopeful about Dating Ring now that you're back on your own track. And I
0: just can't wait to hear how it goes. It's just. Oh, thank it's you. Great. I just Thanks love it for the I,
1: vote of confidence. Yes.
0: <laughs> so, Emma, we're going to keep you on because we haven't even talked about the experience of being on startup. So we have a little segment when we come back that typically Rachel and I just chit-chat, but we're going to keep you with us. Okay, Okay, great. Okay, Cool. So we'll be back to the big payoff with Rachel and Suzanne and Emma after this short break. Do what you want to do.
2: Do what you want to do. Say what you want to say. Say what you want to say. Do what you want to do. Don't be afraid.
0: Welcome back to The Big Payoff. I'm Suzanne Mushin. I'm here with Rachel Bellow, my longtime business partner. And today we're talking about managing the tension between what you want to do and what your market Tells you you should do. And with us today, we have Emma Tesler, who is the co-founder of The Dating Ring, and we've been talking to her for this last segment about what that experience was like when she was faced with the decision between growing her company at an enormously aggressive rate or returning to focus on the thing that was really theirs to do. But now we get to the juicy part of the show, which is really why we had (laughs) Emma on. Just just (laughs) gossiping about her experience
2: being featured on this great podcast called Startup, which I'm completely addicted to. Which we were We're all addicted to.
0: We're all in. We were all in, you know, season Season one, one.
2: And this is season two focused on the dating ring, which is just great. It's real time, very transparent, very authentic recording of what it's like to actually be a startup. So we wanted to find out, we wanted to get the scoop from Emma about what was that like? And, you know, if you listen to this season, they went through some hell and it was like with a microphone (laughs) in
0: their face while they were doing it. So, Emma, what drove you to be on the podcast in the first place? Was it purely a
1: marketing opportunity? Um, No, not purely, but... That being said, we're a dating service and we can make better matches if we have more people. So we thought any opportunity to get more people so we can have a better service, you know, we're not going to say no. The other thing is the only startups you hear about are A, really successful and B, run by men. Absolutely, And there are no female voices and there are no struggling slash failing voices. Um, And most startups are not killing it you know right. nobody's like that's not the norm so did you have to pitch to be on it or did they come to you they came to us but uh-huh. we had to we we had to you know audition so to speak they, they recorded with us a lot before they chose us
0: okay and how hard was it to teach yourself I, there were lots of times when it sounded like you guys either had a cell, had a recorder
1: with you how hard was it to turn that mic on when you're feeling really crappy, your instinct is not to right. preserve that moment forever. But you know, we we were gently scolded if if we <laughs> if we didn't record. And also we wanted to to make this authentic, you know. One of the things that we had always wanted to hear was were those moments of people really doubting, really struggling. Yes. And so obviously we, we wanted to provide that. That's what made the first that. season
2: so great. If he hadn't yeah. had that, it wouldn't have taken off that right. well. Right, exactly. Now, there was a moment where you and Lauren were having issues around equity and you went to see the CEO whisperer. Yes. Um, and... That was interesting because that was not recorded. Was that a decision you made? Was that some a de- of it was recorded?
1: Oh, it was recorded. The yeah. the the session was recorded. Yes.
2: Oh, what part wasn't? I remember in that episode there was something where they said, "We didn't record."
1: Lauren and I had gotten into a pretty, a b- pretty big fight. Oh, that's what we didn't what it record was. the fight. You didn't yes. record the fight. Yes. That's because, what it was. Because some things have to be just our own. But we did record the CEO whisperer, uh, I remember, because I cried the whole time. <laughs> and did, I, heard did you get a lot out of that? Was that? Yeah, it was so valuable. I mean, it's like therapy, yeah. which I am just the biggest proponent yes. of. <laughs> um, yes.
0: And so do you feel that being on startup has made you a better entrepreneur?
1: Um. Yes, I think it's made me a better communicator, which which makes me a better That's anything. Huge. You that know? is absolutely huge. huge. Um, yeah, yeah, hopefully it's made me a better person. But but certainly it's been it's been great because it forces you to kind of have these tough conversations that we would much rather sweep under the rug. And how, how famous are you? <laughs> I'm I mean, not famous. No, I'm being honest. Like, I
0: mean, does your voice get... Right. Like, well, I wouldn't think your voice, but I mean, are you places now where people
1: say, oh, I listen to you on? No, I mean, no, no, certainly not. That would be so weird. Wait, are
2: you dating somebody? That was something I kept wondering.
1: Ah, you will have to listen to the last episode. <gasps> hey, hey, spoiler. Come on. You mean episode 10? Episode 10.
0: Okay. By the time this show airs, that one will have aired. But still we'll wait, okay. But it's funny that you say that because, really, if you do listen to
1: startup the Pod, you would feel like people know you right. Well, my when i when I get new clients and they come in for Matchmaker meetings, usually they will say, "Oh, you sound just like you or something. yeah, um, actually,
2: I found myself more associating the 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 podcast this season.
0: With Emma, then with Lauren, was that just well? Rachel and me? I joked that we were going to come into the studio today with either Team Emma or Team Lauren. <laughs> shirts on because of the fight, because of the fight. But no, but I think part of that is is person is projecting. Who do Maybe. you relate to more? Look, first of all, hugely impressive and to be that courageous yeah. and that vulnerable. I mean, we do this every week. But we don't have the mics on during the toughest times of our day. So, two different things, and fantastic that you agreed to do that. Thanks.
1: Yeah. It's, it, Thank you. I appreciate that. It's very peculiar. It's it's like having someone ask you to record all the fights with your spouse oh, yeah. and all your fights about work and like all your stresses about your bank account all in one. And
2: everybody completely identifies. That's the irony.
1: Right, it's right. Like... And that's why we do it because, you know, in every episode I've listened to and I've been like, oh my God, I sound terrible. Oh, when do you listen
2: before it airs?
1: We listen to fact check it Wednesday night. Or, or Thursday before it comes out. But then it changes a little bit by the time we hear it.
2: Um, and what is your reaction usually? I
1: mean, I, I sit there with like a coat over my head, <laughs> just powering. I, I'm horrified the whole time. And afterwards, I like write write my parents, my family, and I'm like, listen, I'm going to sound really bad in this episode. <laughs> don't judge me. I really don't come off well. Um, but, but that's not how people respond, you know, which oh is great. God. No,
0: they're cheering you on. So let's tell people where you can listen to, well, most importantly...
1: All. Let's. Where do they find the dating ring? Datingring.com. Um, it's not a mobile app because there's no browsing, so there would be nothing to do. Um, uh, and if you're in uh, San Francisco or New York, you can meet us in person. Wow. Yeah. Really? Truly. Okay. That's cool.
0: And you can listen to the podcast Startup. I just listen to it on iTunes, but you can listen to it on Downcast or anywhere where podcasts are. You just search for Startup. You can follow us on Twitter at Big Payoff Radio. You can follow us on our Facebook page. You can like us at Big Payoff Media. And you can listen to us on iTunes. So we'll be back to the Big Payoff next week with Rachel and Suzanne.
1: If you enjoyed today's show and want to hear more from Rachel and Suzanne, you can follow them on Twitter at Big Payoff Radio and like them on Facebook
0: at The Big Payoff. Download past episodes and subscribe to The Big Payoff on the ACAST app or at iTunes, and you can always find us online at BigPayoffRadio.com.